When God Doesn't or whatever it is. But today we are on week three of When God Doesn't. And what we've been doing is um, we're walking through the book of Habakkuk. And Habakkuk is an Old Testament, one of the minor prophets, very short book, only three chapters. You can read it right now. Um, and, and, but it's, it's an important minor prophet. It's, it's an important book for us to hear because there aren't many books that are like this in scripture. Because what it does is it, it puts a human and God in a relationship that we don't often see. Because Habakkuk comes full bear at God. Because God isn't showing up in the way that Habakkuk wants him to. Right? I mean, because we've all been in these places and these times and seasons in our life when, just, when God doesn't. Right? I mean, we feel like God should be moving. God should be doing this. We've cried out to God. We're having these arguments. Two weeks ago, I gave you permission to yell at God and to throw dishes with him and to stay in that relationship. And, and then last week, what we talked about was God sometimes goes, okay, I'm going to move, but not the way that you want or expect. I'm going to move in the way that I need to move. And, and when that happens, a lot of times we recoil as Habakkuk digs. We're like, but, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, God. That's not who you are. And so if you remember, Habakkuk stays in the argument with God. He stays in this conversation with God. If you don't remember, if you weren't here, uh, what's happening in Habakkuk is, I just like to say Habakkuk as many times as possible, um, is let's back up. Back a cup, Habakkuk up. Uh, there you go. Um, it, it didn't work in my head either, but I still thought I'd say it. Uh, so in Habakkuk, previously in Habakkuk, um, the, the, the Jews have rediscovered the writings of Moses and they've fallen in love again with, with the people that God has called them to be. And especially Habakkuk has done this. He's a priest um, in the temple and, um, and, and they kind of lived a certain way, but then they got off track and, and they were going through the motions of being believers in God and, and coming to the temple and doing this, but their heart wasn't in it. And, and really they were, they were treating God like they had treated the pagan gods that they had worshiped before. And so and so God wasn't really down for this and he was kind of upset by this and, and he needed to turn them back. And, and so these uh, oppressions were happening and Habakkuk was saying, why aren't, you know, we, we need to be refocused, God, where are you? And move God. And, and so God moves and he sends the Babylonian empire to, to basically obliterate them and, and, to, and to take them captive and, and to turn them from being these really pagan worshipers back into worshipers of Yahweh into this this love that they have with him. And so when he cries out and, and says, God, move, God says, okay, but it wasn't in the way that he, he wanted. And so Habakkuk goes back at God. If you remember the last part of, of, of what we read last week was Habakkuk yelling at God again. He's like, God, what, what are you doing sending the Babylonians? That's not your character. You're, I know who you are and you're a good God and, and why would you do this? And then God says the two Worst words that you can hear when dealing with customer service. Please hold. Right? I mean, in that, have, you ever, have you ever been on hold so long that you wanted to, to drive to the foreign country or whatever country it was and to grab them by the throat and said, pay attention to me? It's, I, mean, I mean, maybe y'all are more peaceful people than I am. But um, I'll say, does anyone in here work for AT&T? Okay, we can talk about them. Um, I feel safe. Okay, so AT&T is one of those companies that I just have, I, I, I reserve loathing for very few things. AT&T is one of those things that I reserve loathing for. Um, and, and it has to deal with a, 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 an hour and a half or 45 minutes that I spent on hold one day. 
um, because we were trying to figure out the situation that we had. Um, it, it, uh, the, we have a, uh, the horns have a little house in Seguin in the river, on the river and it's, it's in the middle of nowhere and there's no internet out there. You can't get any kind of Wi-Fi or anything like that. So we got DSL. What? Y'all remember when DSL, you're like pumped to get it. You're like, yes, DSL. Yeah, let me tell you how slow it is. Um, it is so bad and, and it's horrible. And AT&T was the only ones who, who would, you know, they had a phone line out there. And so we were dealing with that. And I mean, seriously, it was eight bucks a month. That's how much DSL is. Cause they're like, I don't know, what will you give us? $8? Sure, we'll take that. And, and then I discovered these satellite uh, dish wireless things that, uh, that would bring us internet. And so I'm like, I'm out of the AT&T business. I'm getting this because it was a whole lot faster. And so I call AT&T and I cancel. And then I got another bill and another one. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I call AT&T again and I'm like, hey, um, I just, I canceled. I spoke to Barbara because I wrote her name down. Oh, oh yeah, Barbara, she's sitting right next to me, right? No. Um, and, and like on this date, why are you still billing me? Well, what service did you have? I'm like, I just called the DSL number, man. I had DSL. Oh, DSL, we're the UVerse department. You need, I need to transfer you over. I was transferred four times to four different people who didn't know what I was talking about. Because even AT&T is like DSL. It's like one guy who sits in a dark closet in Idaho that deals with, with DSL, right? And his name's Bob um, and nobody likes Bob. That's why they sent him there. And, and so, and, and he's a bitter old man, apparently. He hates his life uh, as much as I was hating him on the phone. So I'm on the phone and you get to the point where you're on hold where you're just like, can you, just, can you send me to someone who can help me? We're really sorry about your, your, and this is a line I use all the time. I'm really not upset with you. I'm just upset with this process. You're just the one delivering it to me. So you're gonna hear me get angry. I'm really sorry, Mr. Crocker. Let me put you on, please hold. And you get, and there's a point in time where you get to like, I've spent 40 minutes, I've invested too much time. I can't hang up. Cause if I hang up, what happens? You start all over. And so they know they have you. Do you know some of these companies record you when you're on hold? Uh-huh, that's a true story. They record you to hear what you're saying about them while you're on hold. They had an earful. I'm like, I hope you're recording this. Your music's horrible. Your service is bad. Please hold is one of those terms that just causes anxiety because you don't know how long, right? You don't know. Anytime you hear that, it's like, please hold. It's like, oh no. Because, and, and, then, and then you start going through this, this repetition of, of, of emotions. Like, it's anxiety because you're like, oh my gosh, I have other things to do. I, I allotted my little lunchtime for this. And then I have other people coming into my office. I, don't, I, can't do, I can't spend all day with you. And then you get mad. Who do they think they are? It's keeping me on hold this time. And you get angry and then you resign yourself to your fate. I'm gonna be on hold with AT&T for the rest of my days. Right, and you just, and you give up. And you're like, okay, well, I'm here. I'm with you now. And then you get angry again, and maybe this is just me, maybe y'all are more emotionally secure in yourselves. Um, but, but when you hear those words, please hold, it causes some anxiety. And when Habakkuk comes to God and he says, God, this is out of your character. This isn't who you are. You're sending this horrendous nation in to correct us. Yes, we need correction, which is why I came to you in the first place. But if this is how you're gonna do it. And God tells Habakkuk, 
Please hold. Please hold. Because sometimes that's what God tells us to do. Sometimes God, who knows the bigger story and understands things from a different perspective, tells us, just wait. And Habakkuk 2, verse 2, he says this, Then the Lord said to me, he says, Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. The vision is for a future time. If it seems, it describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently. Please hold. For it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. See, what God's doing here is Habakkuk cries out to him and he calls into question the character of God and he's reminding God who God is. And God says, please hold. But in that, he does something else. Because the way he opens is, he says, okay, look, I'm about to tell you something, and I want you to write it down on tablets, on stone tablets, chisel this sucker in, and then take it out and deliver this message to people. See, what God does, how God opens is, I'm gonna ask you to wait, but I'm going to give you hope, and I'm going to give you comfort. It's like the hold music that they try to comfort us with. But God says, I'm gonna, we're gonna send this promise out. We're gonna send these words out. Send this, everything that you're about to hear, send this out so that the people will know. There is a time in the future. It will not be delayed. It will come at the appropriate time. But until then, wait patiently. And so what God does is he delivers this, this comfort through his words. And then he asks us to live by faith. See, he asks us to trust in who he is. He, he asks us to, to not live the way that the world lives, understanding our strength as the Babylonians do as our own might and strength. But to trust in him, as, as Solomon would say. In Proverbs Three, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. I trust in, trust in the Lord. Trust in, with everything that you are. Trust in him. Don't look to your own understanding. Don't look to the world. Don't look to the things. Trust him. I, I love this proverb, and it's, it's, it's one that is, um, it's, one that, it's one of those things that you memorize. It's one of those, those scripture verses that's kind of easy, like Jesus wept. Nailed that one, right? That's a good one to memorize. If, you ever, if somebody ever says memorize the scripture, open up with that one. Jesus wept. I got it. But this one, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Because there's four things I think that we can pull from this that Habakkuk needed to know during his time. The first thing in this is our response in every situation must be to trust God. In every situation that we have, our first response should be to trust him. We do not walk by sight. We walk by faith. 
we, we, we put assurance in, in God's word and in God's character. We trust, and, and this is where, where Habakkuk really was because he, he had fallen in love with God and he's like, but that's not who you are. I know your character. And so God's asking him, well, trust in it then. Trust in, in who you know that I am. You, we, don't, we don't walk the way that the world walks. We, we walk by faith and an understanding that God is more powerful than anything that comes against us. And so we trust and we have faith. And the second thing is, um, we must not rely on our own understandings, our perceptions, our expectations. When we rely on our own understandings or perceptions or expectations, it leads to anxiety and worry and fear. It, it leads to us creating false narratives about the situation at hand. Is anyone, I'm a big one of this. I do this a lot. Is anybody false narrative people where, where you write stories about situations, about what's gonna happen and you, and you go the dark route? Does anybody, is, am I the only one that suffers through these things? So I have a tendency and maybe it's my imagination is really big and, and I always have about six conversations going on in my head at one time. It sometimes gets really loud in there. Uh, and, uh, and so when, when I have situations that come up, a lot of times I can't help myself, but I go down the dark path. And, I, and I, my expectations of what's gonna happen leads to worry and fear and uncertainty. And then I create a story about stuff. And I experienced it this morning when I was, when I was getting ready to come up here. And, and I, didn't, like, I wasn't even planning on using this because it hadn't happened yet and I'd already written my sermon. Um, but uh, Corbin is in Seattle right now. He, um, he, he went up there to surprise us. He raised his own money. He worked hard. He, he saved his money. He bought his own plane ticket um, to fly up to see his cousins in, in Seattle. And we're, we're super proud of him. It was just an awesome experience. And, and so on Friday, um, I got to go take him to the airport to get on the plane at 4 o'clock in the morning. Just like to point that out. Had to wake up in the threes. No one should ever do that. Um, and so, I, 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 unless you're, you know, never, um, going hunting, really. Uh, and so I, I get up and, and I take him to the airport and, and we're, just, we're pumped and excited. And, and he woke up like that, you know, can't get him out of bed on school days, but you know, right there, he's like, boom, let's go. Um, and, and so we go to the airport and um, we, we check in and he's flying. Uh, we had to get there super early because he, he was flying as an accompanied minor. Um, so he wasn't just going on his own and go like, good luck, son. I'm going to drop you off, give you a pat on the back at the curb, right? Um, and so we, we go in and he gets this badge, this lanyard, it's bright green. He was flying Alaskan Airlines and it said junior jet setter, you know, like sweet. <laughs> and he goes, what's a jet setter? And I'm like, oh my gosh, learn how to read, dude. It's jet setter. Um, and he's like, well, what's a jet setter? I'm like, it's you jetting off to far, wonderful islands on the other side of the Puget Sound, right? You're a jet setter. And, and so he, he's like, all right, that's cool. And he had a green wristband on. And, and so we go through TSA security. And this is, has nothing to do with the story, but I just found this really funny. Uh, we go through and I had a, they gave me a little standby thing um, so I could get through security. And we walk up there together and, and I hand him my ID. I hand him all of our paperwork, you know, including my driver's license. And the TSA guy looks to Corbin and he goes, you in high school? And, and Corbin goes, no, sir. Like he's a little freaked out by being approached by an uh, officer. Um, and uh, no, no, sir. And, and I went, he's in sixth grade. 
or I said he's 12. And, and the guy was this tall. <laughs> and and he's, he's like, well, now I just feel even shorter. <laughs> Sorry. And Corbin's like, uh, and so we get through and, um, and we're sitting there and it's just a fun, exciting time. And he made it there and they sent videos of when he surprised his cousins and he was hiding in the car and it was a little creepy to be honest. And Oh, he's like, ah, you know, and freaked him out. And, um, and then he was laying in the other one's bed. It was awesome. Um, and so they just, they're having a great time and, and he's having so much fun. And, and, and he flies home tomorrow. And, and I have to tell you that my mind went to the what ifs. And, and, and my mind went to fear and to, to anxiety. And I wrote a story about what would happen if his plane crashed in my mind. I went through the story of there's no way I could do his funeral. I can't imagine. I even pictured myself on the front row just being a wreck. And I'm like, who would I get to do it? Who do I trust enough to do that for my son? And, and just plan, what a horrible place that was to be in this morning. Like, yay, it's Sunday, yay, Jesus. And I'm spinning in this hurt because of a false narrative. Because my trust should be in him immediately. So God, that's stupid. It's not how you, that's not who you are. That's not how you roll. Fear is not in God's language. And so I had to pull myself back into who I know God to be. To trust. Just trust God with, with all your heart. And don't lean on your understanding because that will lead to fear and anxiety and, and, and false narratives and take you down dark roads and roads that you don't wanna be on because you were never meant to be on them. Instead, acknowledge God. That word acknowledge is, is to know God, is this intimate knowledge of God, this, this intimate knowing and loving and relationship with God so that, that I know him and everything that he does and I know who God is and I know his word and I know his truth and his promises. And when I lean into those things, he puts the road right before me. Walk this way. You trust in me. Know my promises. Know my truth. Know who you are in my eyes. See, and God gave us this amazing, this amazing thing. He gave Habakkuk a tablet with all these words, but then he gave us this, his word. He said, read this and know me so that you can trust in me. And that in those moments of darkness that you suffer, turn back to my promises and my truth. Turn back to the story of when I sent my son to die for you so that you may have life, so that you may have hope and grace and peace and joy. These are the words that we should cling to so that we can know God, so that we can trust in him. Whenever fear strikes us, whenever uncertainty and anxiety, we'd say, no, 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 that's not who God is. As I was um, preaching this, this morning, it, there, was a, there was a bunch of families that I have going through situations right now that, that I've been walking with them through, through seasons of really hurt and heartache and uncertainty. And, and, and some of them are having medical problems and and, and a child is having these medical problems and it, and it looks like things are getting better, but then it goes backwards further than they made progress. And, and this has been going on for months. And I've been talking with the mom almost on a daily basis and, 
and just the questions and wonder and like when God doesn't is huge for her right now. Trust. Trust in him. Know him. And he will make that path straight. I don't know where you are in your story. I know some of you, but not all of you. And some of you are doing great right now. And you're like, man, things are going great. They're awesome. We just came through a dark season, whatever, but we're good right now. Some of you are not. Some of you are hurting. Some some of you find yourself in that place where you're in the kitchen with, with God and you're throwing those dishes and you're just angry and you're yelling and you're saying, God, where are you? And God's moving, but God's not moving in the way that you expected him to. Remember what God says, or hear what God says to Habakkuk. He says, look, write all this stuff down. There's gonna be a time when what I'm about to say is going to happen, and it will not be delayed. Trust me, it will happen. Babylon will be wiped off the face of the earth because they live in the arrogance that they are the ones who roll with everything and run everything. You live by faith, and my glory will win. See, the promise is that God is going to win, that God is going to move, that there will be a day and a time when there is no more hurt or suffering or pain. There will be a day and time when God's kingdom comes in the fullness and glory that it was always destined to. And that time is right now. And that time is coming. But we believe in a God who says, I am with you and I will not forsake you. And I will not leave you. maybe putting you on hold for just a little bit, but trust me, trust me in this. I I realized, and as I was putting this together, I was like, this feels a lot like last week's sermon, especially at the end here, but but then I was reminded of the the scene from Goodwill Hunting when Robin Williams is confronting um, Matt Damon, right, Matt Damon? Remember this, there's this scene where and it's really this breakthrough for him. And he's like, it's not your fault. He's like, yeah, I know. No, it's not your fault. Yeah, I know. No, it's, it's not your fault. He says it over and over again. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Because it had to just drill into him. And so I, I, don't, I don't know where you are, but maybe you need to hear it. And there were some folks at the first service who came, came up to me and were like, I needed to hear it again and again, and can you say it again next week? Trust him, he's he's got you. Trust him in the darkest of nights, he's got you. Trust him in, in those trials and tribulations that come your way. Trust him in that fear and uncertainty and anxiety. Trust him, know him and the promises that come with him. Because we, we believe in a God who is greater than anything this world could throw at us. We believe in a God who is more powerful than any darkness that could come. He is a light that can cast out any darkness. Brothers, I'm about to start preaching in here if y'all don't say amen or hallelujah. And I don't know where you are in your journey, but you need to know that he is with you too. Even if you don't even know who he is, he knows who you are. Even if you've never accepted him into your life and said, yes, I am one with you, he died for you. He gives you hope. He gives you comfort. And he 
He wants to be your God. Will you be his child? Will you put your faith in him and your trust in him? And will you hear him say from time to time, please hold. You bet, Lord. Because I know that when you pick back up, you're going to be with me. Father, I thank you and I praise you so much for the, your sons and daughters in this room. God, I, I don't know where their stories are. You do. You know everyone in this room. And you know the hurt that they're going through or the, or the darkness that they're experiencing. God, I pray that you would shine a light into their life right now. I pray that you would help them to release the, the, subs, the, the control they think they have and that you would give it over to them. They would give it to you. I pray, Lord, that you would, that you would find those people who are crying out to you and you would meet them right here, right now. And they would begin this new journey Father, I thank you that even though from time to time it seems like you don't, it seems like you put us on hold, you're always moving. You're always in our corner and you always offer us hope. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' holy name, amen. You stand, the ushers are coming forward, we're gonna do the offertory. There's connection cards in your, in your pew backs and man, fill it out if you haven't been here in a while or if you're new, we just wanna, we're not gonna harass you, I promise. If you made a decision today to, to commit your life to Jesus, or maybe you wanna recommit, or you wanna to talk to one of our prayer team members or our ministry team, we'd love to let you to, to do that and to let us know by putting it into the plate as it comes by. Father, we, we pray that you would receive this offering and, and through it, you would bless it, that others may know that you are God and that you have a hope and a purpose for their life. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' holy name, amen.